Anybody in here have short-term memory? Some of y'all looking at me like, uh, everybody has short-term memory. Only question is, how well is that short-term memory working? I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's from, I'm sorry, all of our guests and friends and everybody, welcome tonight. Glad to have everybody in church. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, familiar passage, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now with a lot of what we do, and we've talked here recently a lot about evangelism, about outreach, about ministry, about prayer. We could easily judge most of what we do by performance, by how we do it, by how well we do it. Why? Because a lot of what we do in this world and in this society is performance-based. Everything you do just about is performance-based. If you go to work, your employer is judging your performance. Every year or in, in most places of employment, you get an evaluation and they'll rate you on a scale of one to 10. One is poor, 10 is excellent, or the other way around, or maybe a five point scale, or maybe a very good, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. They, they rate you on a scale. Before you get that employment, you're in school. You get you a letter grade. I think in kindergarten, you get satisfactory or whatever other grades they have like that, but you're going to get graded on your performance. And we carry that all the way through life based on our performance and how we do things, how we learn and how we apply it. And you have people that you can tell them something and they learn it just like that. They can tell you how to do it. They can walk you through the steps. You got other people, you tell them how to do something that mean a thing. You got to show them how to do it. Other people, you got to tell them and let them do it so that they learn how to do it. That's where that short-term memory comes in. For those that know how to multitask and can do it well, they hear one thing and they're, they're doing something else and then they're, they're doing another thing and they have all this stuff lined up. I believe I can multitask, but that goes against my logic. I need to have steps of things. We, we do this first, we do this second, we do this third, we do this fourth. But with, with, with short-term memory, either you've got it good or you've got it bad. Some people, you tell them one thing, you tell them to go do something, 
They get back there to do that task, and they come back to you and ask, what did you tell me to do? Or as a child, you say, go in your room and go find this, and they get all the way up there, and they come back. What did you tell me to look for? What am I supposed to be doing? Why? Because it just, it, for some, it goes in one ear and out the other. Some have selective memory. They just remember what they choose to remember. But there are a lot of things that we get and there are things that we retain. But the more information that you try to put in here, the more information that will also leak out and tend to bleed out. And that also will hinder our performance in things and how we do things. Even when we come in here, you look around and you look up here and say, well, he's playing the keyboard or she's playing the keyboard or they're playing the drums or whatever. I think I... I might be able to do better than them. I think I might be able to sing. Well, so-and-so sings better than them or so-and-so plays better than We always look through the lens of performance. And we, we've carried that all the way through because that's how our society works. That's how our world works. And if you're not checking out your performance, then there's a problem. On my job where I work, one of the core values is self-development and constantly looking at what you're doing and evaluating yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you should not do an internal inspection on what you've got going on in your world and in your life to try to improve and do things better. But there comes a line to be drawn when it comes to a performance and how I'm doing things and why I'm doing things. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it in the easy-to-read version. And it says, and now, my brothers and sisters, be filled with joy in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. I want to be sure that you are prepared. Be careful of the dogs, those men whose work does only harm. They want to cut on, on everyone who isn't circumcised. But we are the ones who have the true circumcision. We who worship God through his spirit, we don't trust in ourselves or anything we can do. We take pride only in Christ Jesus. Even if I am able to trust in myself, still, I don't do it. If anyone else thinks they have a reason to trust in themselves, they should know that I have a greater reason for doing so. I was circumcised on the eighth day after my birth. I am from the people of Israel and from and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a true Jew. And so were my parents. The law was very important to me. That is why I became a Pharisee. I was so eager to defend my religion that I persecuted the church and no one could find fault with the way I obeyed the law of Moses. Paul saying here that I am qualified. I am qualified more than anybody else to do the work of the Lord because of my upbringing, because of what I participated in. Anybody in here have a good resume that you posted out there? See, you, you put that resume out. Why? Because for the purpose of getting something, a job. You've got to market yourself just right. The words on that resume have to be a certain way if you want a certain type of job. But it doesn't stop at the resume. Some people, they, they doctor their resume up good. You got a resume? You got a good resume? Well, then ask if I could use it. But the, some people, the, the truth isn't in their resume. Because they know, one, that person that's looking for 
somebody to come work at their company, they haven't met you yet. The only thing they're looking at is that sheet of paper. And I hate looking at resumes. As far as I'm concerned, it's all fluff. Let me talk to you. But then now we have these things where you learn how to interview. Maybe we should just, at every interview, just have a polygraph there. But in some places, they teach you how to beat the polygraph. But with the resume and with an interview, you're marketing yourself. You're trying to sell yourself. Why? Because there are other candidates out there that are trying to get the same thing that you're going after. So all of that becomes performance-based. And so come here. So you, 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 you come into the job and you got your power suit, power shirt, power tie, dress or whatever. You come, you got it dressed right. I'll tell you what was funny is people that I've seen show up at a job interview, three weeks later they got the job, they come in there, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world are they wearing? This isn't the same person I saw at the interview. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And I remember the first job, I went and worked at the bank, and I showed up there, and I saw an ad in the newspaper. We didn't have Internet, so we were dealing with the newspaper, and I found an ad, and they were right up the street, and I went and walked into their human resources, and I just saw the ad, and I knew I needed to fill out an application. Didn't have Internet, so couldn't fill it out online, none of that. Get in there and do it. So I got up and walked up the street to that, to that bank to fill it out, and I had sweats and a T-shirt on. And that lady, she looked at me, and... It's like, really? And she just said, yeah, here, fill it out. But when I showed up for the interview, I had the suit. I had shoes were fr- freshly polished. Suit, and I had a, 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 like a Carolina blue shirt, tie with a white stripe that matched. And when I walked in there, that same lady sitting at that desk, she saw me, and I said, here, I'm, I'm here for the interview. She just pointed, just looking at me. It's like, who in the world is this? So that, that changes the perception. But when I'm comparing myself with, against somebody else, I'm trying to doctor myself up and present an image that they will accept, although that image may not be me. But I'm trying to, to, to make something that they will appreciate and that they will approve of. That's where all the performance comes in. And so if I, if I stand here next to him, say, well, he's interviewing for the job and I'm interviewing for the job. So let's see. I got this quality and what's he got going? Okay, well, I think I'm better over here than him. Well, he's got this, but as long as long as they don't start looking at his strengths and my weaknesses, then I'm all right. As long as I can keep my strengths on the forefront, I'm all right. And here's the thing. If they spot a weakness in him, they see where, where, where he's not good at something, I can step and say, hey, I've got a strength in that area. I can outperform him in that area. But let's just keep all my weaknesses under the surface. Let's keep all my weaknesses hidden. When you fill out a resume and a job application and all that, you don't list your weaknesses. You don't let them see the real you. They find out the real you when you mess up something on the job and they want to fire you. They find out really what they hired. You a good employee? No. Thank you. But you know what happens when Jesus is looking for somebody to use? He's not looking for your resume. Because that resume means absolutely nothing to him. Well, Jesus, look what I can do. I think it's, I think it's Luke 18. It talks about the man went to the, the Pharisee, went to the temple to pray. He said, I thank the Lord that I'm not like this publican, this tax collector over here. I'm not as bad as him. I fast. I pray. I give tithes. 
I do all of these things. I am qualified for the ministry. I'm qualified. Look at my performance. Look what I've done. I walk by people and they bow down to me. They worship me. They, they know me. They know me in the streets. They, they respect me. Why? Because of my performance. But you know what happens when Jesus is looking for somebody to use? He's looking for that, that vessel that's marred. That vessel that's broken. That vessel that's full of flaws and weaknesses. And really, if you look across this place, he's got a people, whole lot of people here full of, full of flaws, weaknesses, lacks, lack of strength. But God is able to work through all of that. God is able to move through all of that. And when you read in the Bible, guess who you read about? You read about a bunch of mess-ups, a bunch of screw-ups. Go all the way back to the Old Testament. He started with Adam and Eve thinking, think about it. Wouldn't you think that God would create somebody that would have it all together? Adam and Eve, they, they, they messed it up for all of us. And then you go reading on through, through, through the Old Testament, all the, all the great heroes of the Bible that you read about. We preach all day about David and Goliath. But what happened when David was on the rooftop looking down? What about Samson and all the mess-ups that he fell into? My resume and my performance won't do a thing for God. My abilities won't do a thing for God. It's how much of myself that I'm willing to give to him and to allow him to work through me. But Paul said, I'm qualified to do all of these things. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm, I'm, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. This is my name. This is where I come from. This is my heritage. I'm qualified. Therefore, and he's saying, I can trust in my own flesh, and I have a good reason to trust in my own flesh. And in verse 7, in that version, he says, At one time, all these things were important to me, but because of Christ, I decided that they were worth nothing. Not only these things, but now I think that all things are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Christ, I lost all these things, and now I know that they are all worthless trash. All I want now is Christ. I want to belong to him. In Christ, I am right with God, but my being right does not come from following the law. It comes from God through faith. God uses my faith in Christ to make me right with him. All I want to know is Christ and the power that raised him from death. I want to share in his sufferings and be like him even in his death. You see, it's, it's exciting when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's exciting when we go down in that water. But Paul said, I, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him when he gives me new life. Then he said, I want to know him in the suffering. I want to know him when he's molding me. I want to know him when he's shaping me. I want to know him when he's trying to cut things out of my life. Then there is hope that I myself will somehow be raised from death. I don't mean that I am exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. But I continue trying to, to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It is the reason he made me his. Brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go. But there is, no, there is one thing I do. I forget what is in the past. And I and try as hard as I can 
to reach the goal before me. Anybody ever tried to run forward while looking back over their shoulder? How well did you do with that? Paul said, I forget the things that are in the past so I can reach for the, the, the goal that I have in front of me. I keep running hard toward the finish line to get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. All of us who have grown to be spiritually mature should think this way too. And if there is any of this that you don't agree with, God will make it clear to you. But we should continue following the truth we already have. Brothers and sisters, join together in following my example. Also learn by watching those who are living the way we showed you. I need a strong young man. Oh, none of them move. Come here, Zaire. You know, you, you, you sit in class and the teacher is looking for somebody to, or he asks a question. You don't know if you know the answer and nobody makes eye contact with the teacher and hoping that the teacher doesn't call on them because I'm not making eye contact with them. Yeah. I need you to do me a task. I need all four of these tables up here to be moved to the back of the building. Yep. All these tables need to be moved to the back. And see, and as we go through life, many times we are put in positions to display our strength and our ability. But you know what? When I exercise my strength, my abilities, my talents, sometimes that's tiring. Sometimes that can wear me out. Sometimes that just burns me out. But I know I'm qualified. I know I've got the ability to do it. I, I know I've got the endurance. I can endure it to the end. The Bible says to endure hardness as a good soldier. So I know I can make it to the end because I've got the abilities. God, whatever you want me to do. Brother Williams, you know where I'm going with this? God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You just give me the word and I'll go. I'll do it, God. Because guess what? I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got fire. I've got the doctrine. I've got truth. Now, wait a minute, son. Now, let me ask you a question. You tired? You're not tired? You strong? I heard a long time ago this saying, work smart, not hard. And I said, I got a task for you. And I said, I need these tables moved from the front to the back. But I never told you how to do it. So the option's up to you how they get from the front to the back. So what would you do to get these tables to the front to the back without wearing yourself out and burning yourself out? Yeah. So why don't you go ask for some help? Just go get them. No, hold on, Brother William. Stay, stay right there, Brother William. Hold, hold, hold. Go, 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 go find somebody. There you go. Come on. No, pull them up. Come on. Pull them up. You've got the power to do it. Pull them up. Whoever you want to help, pull them up. Now, I got a question. 
Why did you choose them? You know they're strong too. And you know that they can pick up these tables and get them. You, you know that they're able to help you so you don't wear yourself out and you can help burn them out. And then you guys are all good to go, right? So you can choose whoever. And, and you, you chose these two strapping young men to help you get this to the back. Okay. Now, you guys have a seat. Now, I need some people to help me to move these tables to the back. I need some people to help me to move these tables to the back. I need some people to help me move the tables to the back. Now, hold on right there. Question, why didn't didn't more people move and come help move the tables to the back? I didn't, I said people. I didn't specify who. So what happens here is it's left up, left up to the stronger people. It's left up to the men of the group. Strapping older men. Well, we got a young man up here. Zaire re- re- resigned. He said, y'all ain't giving me a paycheck. So I'm leaving. Now, Some of you might not be able to physically lift the table up. That's fine. But can I say that looking across here, I think everybody here could participate in getting these tables to the back. There's nothing saying that one person has to carry the table to the back by themselves. And look, although two of these guys could carry it very easily to the back, there's nothing saying that only two people have to participate in carrying these tables to the back. As far as I can see, you probably get three or four on each side. You could have about six to eight people carrying one of these tables to the back. Well, it's not that heavy, Brother Brown. I know, but we can all participate together. You see, what happens here is we have people come up for prayer. We say, we need some people to come minister. Okay, look at the, find the ministers, the AML, the licensed ministers, and all those that are in the AML program, come up and pray for people. We'll leave it up to the preacher, leave it up to the pastor. Leave it up to the leadership to pray with people. Leave it up to the strong, the, the, all those who are baptized in the doctrine, all those who know the word of God, all those who, who have been in the church for 20 years, those are the ones that are praying. Those are the ones going on outreach. Those are the ones ministering to people. But can I tell you that it's not just for them? It's not just for them. Think, now, you guys have a seat. Here's the beauty of this. Where's Eliana? Come here, Eliana. Can we leave Cat behind? Can you go put Cat on the seat? Go put Cat down. You know, keep Cat. Okay, Cat can help us. Give me your hand. Here's the beauty of this. Eliana could even help carry a table. You know why? And she'll barely have to lift anything. Because if you come up, no, literally, come up. <laughs> and if you come up, yeah, instant in season, out of season, all of that. And if you come up, come on. And if you come up, 
looking for some curious folks who want to be a part. You want to come up? Come on. Come on, Roger. Get on there. Come on, Brother Mike. Get on up here. Come on, Sister Valley. Come on up here. Come on, Sister Eunice. Is there room in the inn? Come here. Mm-hmm. Now, all of these people can carry this table all the way to the back. Y'all think you could do it? All right, come on. Everybody together. One army. Look at that. Jason's strong. And Eliana's just going to tell y'all where to go. Go ahead, Eliana. Walk up the aisle. Go up there. She said, put it down right there. You see that? All of them can participate in carrying that table. And not one person has to do it by themselves. In ministry, not one person has to do it by themselves. I don't care if it's outreach, if it's a prayer meeting, if it's evangelism. Not one person has to do it by themselves. Because what happens when you get one person doing it? Come here. You got one person doing it by themselves. You know, he says, yeah, I got it. But what happens is, and if I was really wanting to be ornery, I'd have stacked about eight tables up here and attached some weights to them and say, go ahead and carry them on to the back. Let's see what you got. And you know what he would have done? He would have made the attempt to do it. But there is not a, there is not one of us that has to try to walk with God and participate in the kingdom of God by ourselves. All of us play a part. I don't care what kind of ability you are. I don't care if you spent 20, 25 hours in the prayer room last night. I don't care how much of the Bible you read this morning. You don't have to do it by yourself. The pastor doesn't have to do it by himself. First lady, nobody, Sunday school teachers don't have to do it, but care group leaders don't have to do it by themselves. But we're all part of a body to all work together and to be a part. So we don't have to depend on our flesh and our abilities and burn ourselves out with anything. But God has created us to work together as a part of his body. Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse number 1, says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. Sorry, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. First and foremost, if we're going to try to do anything in the kingdom of God, we're not going to accomplish anything in the flesh. You say, I know that, Brother Brown. Yeah, I know. We all know that, but we all try to do it many times. 
We all try to do it. We try to do it on outreach. We try to do it on the, in evangelism. We try to do it up here at the altar praying for people, trying to get it all figured out and get it all worked out in our minds. And we try to work through our flesh many times, trying to understand so many things so many times. But it's the Spirit of God that leads us, and it's the Spirit of God that works through us. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word and letters when we are absent, such will we also be indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You see, in working with God, it's easy to look across the aisle or down the row or towards the back and work to compare myself with somebody else and what they're doing in ministry. Or what they're not doing. And sometimes we do that coming into the church. We have a ranking system. So the pastor's up here. The person that just got the Holy Ghost is down here. And so and so is here. And I'm a little better than them because I've been in the church for the past 50 years. Before the church of Antioch was established. And so and so is down here because they can't do this. And I know Acts 2.38 so I'm up here and... They've never taught a Bible study, so they're down here, but they helped and called a war, so they're up here right under Bishop, but I haven't helped with any of that, so I'm down here. And we've got this ranking system. We look across and we compare ourselves. You see somebody, they, they, they brought somebody to church and they got the Holy Ghost and my guests didn't get the Holy Ghost. Wow, I must be doing something wrong. We see people praying at the altar and you got the Elder Valley laying hands on somebody and the Holy Ghost is working. And we look down and say, wow, God's really doing something. There doesn't seem to be anything happening over here. So maybe we got to shake him a little bit. We get wrapped up in how we're performing, how we're doing something, but it's not based on performance. It's not based on what I'm doing. It's based on the work and spirit of God. And I've got to get out of my carnal nature to walk in the spirit. And then so many times we get caught up in our performance and how we're doing things. And we begin to live in the past of what I did or did not do right. A couple of Sundays ago, I was leading at the start of the service. Bishop Wright was here and Brother Jackson was here and Brother Reaver and all these men. And I, I referenced a scripture in the Bible and I realized later I gave the wrong scripture. I said, oh, my God, I'm messing this up. Bishop Wright is here and I got all these men and I'm giving the wrong scripture. So you know what I did? I made sure I went. I said, God's going to strike me. So I went and stood over there and had Elder Middleton on one side and Elder Valley on the other side and said, if God's going to strike me, he's going to have to hit these two as well. I'm good to go. 
So I know God won't, because I'm, I'm next to these guys right here. Shield me. But it's not based on my performance. You know, when you're used of God, you're going to mess up. You're going to teach somebody a Bible study. You're going to misquote something. You're going to mess. You, you might have to go back and clean something up and say, hey, I told you this, but actually the Bible says this. There's going to be times you're praying for somebody. You're going to miss it. You will miss it. It's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you're going to be talking to somebody. You might invite somebody to church, and you might get just a little too pushy. You missed it. And that happens because of our nature. But we can't live in the past of what I missed. That's where a short-term memory loss comes in. I've got to forget those things that I messed up. I've got to repent, and I've got to let them go so that I can move forward to more ministry. Because if I'm caught up in what I missed and what I messed up, I'll never see the opportunity to minister in the future. I've done it. Sitting up there praying for somebody, and I'm praying a certain direction and all that, and I missed it. God didn't do a thing, and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I missed that. And you know what I want to do? Go find me two elders to stand in between so I don't get struck by lightning. But that, it, it's going to happen. But the only way that we learn and grow from that is we have to work. We have to lean on God. We have to trust in God. We have to do something. You show me somebody that never fails, and I'll show you somebody that's not moving. I'll show you somebody that's not working. Somebody that never fails, somebody that never falls flat on their face is somebody that's not doing a thing for the kingdom of God. And then sometimes we, you know, we, we got to get all our words and our, our, our verbiage right. And I'm one of those people, if, 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 if I go knock on your door, invite you into church, evangelism or whatever, I want to have my words lined up. I want to have my speech lined up. I want to know everything I'm saying. More times than not, they open that door. I start talking. The conversation goes a completely different direction. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, would, I don't have the script. Where's the script? I lost it. Holy Ghost, speak. Waiting on a word from heaven. But see, what happened in the Old Testament, you got Moses. And God told him to go do something. Moses said, well, I'm slow of speech. What if they don't believe me? And God gave him these different signs. Same thing with Gideon. He asked for signs. The Lord gave him sign after sign. But you know what God doesn't do with all of us? He doesn't give us a sign. Lord says, go speak to that person. You say, well, hold on, Lord. Is that you? I need a burning bush. Lord, ignite it. Lord, if that goes up in flames, I'll go pray for him. Lord, if that's really you, cause the lights to flicker. Next you know, there's a thunderstorm that comes and the lights begin to flicker. And we say, okay, hold on, God. That was too easy. God proved to me that you're wanting me to do something. And God's saying, I just want you to trust me. I don't want you to trust in your abilities. I don't want you to trust in performance. I don't want you to trust in what you, you, what you can understand. I just want you to trust me to be able to work in you, to be able to work through you. But don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Because you're going to have some people that are up on the mountaintop, some people down in the valley. There's going to be some people that look like they're up in the mountaintop, but they are down in the valley. 
And some people know how to dress it up real good. How are you doing? Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. When you walk away from them, they break down boohoo and snot and tears and everything because they are down. That's why you can't get caught up on what's going on on the outside. But it's what God is doing on the inside. And many times, guess what? Most of the time, we have no idea what God is doing on the inside. But God is doing something. God is working. Paul said, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without measure, without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. You know God has given all of us a measure. God has given us all abilities. God has given us all a place. And you know what? My right hand has a certain job. And my left hand can't do the same thing that my right hand can do. My right hand is the stronger hand. My left hand is the weaker hand. And some of us, if we're not careful, we'll get caught up and saying, well, I'm not this or I'm not that. But they're this and they're that. And because I'm not them, I'm not anything. I'm not anybody. Because I can't do certain things, I'm not important. But can I tell you that all of us are important? And if we're ever going to see God truly do what he wants to do in this city, we all have to be comfortable, one, with who God has made us to be and what he wants to do through us. And you know what the beauty of all of this is? It's one body. In in, in one of Paul's epistles, he, he talked about something. He said, well, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Paul said, I'm thankful that I baptized none of you. I'm glad I didn't have any part of you. You know what we could do here? Some of us would get the mindset, well, I'm of East Baltimore. I'm of North Baltimore. I guess you guys are just Antioch North. (laughs) I belong to one of these. Well, I'm of this care group. I'm of that care group. But this is all one body. Well, I'm not going on outreach today because this isn't my daughter work. This isn't where I go to church on Sunday morning. I'm not participating because this isn't my care group. I'm going to participate today because this is my Sunday school class. This is my group of people. It's one body. And we all, all work together. And could you imagine when that day comes when we're all working together? And getting the reports of what God is doing, not inside a Sunday morning service. I'm excited about what God's going to do in the middle of the week. It was the last Thursday somebody got baptized and received the Holy Ghost last Thursday. Could you imagine getting reports like that? We, we show up, and actually I saw the text message that North Baltimore had somebody receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized. And I figured they had just, you know, just got done using the tank when we came up here Sunday afternoon. I found out that happened on Thursday. And how awesome is that to find out that God is doing a work outside of a church service on a Sunday? How awesome, how powerful is that? But that can only happen if we're all functioning and working together as one body and filling our role. For we stretch not ourselves beyond measure as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far 
as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. God's not looking for somebody that's patting themselves on the back. God's not looking for somebody that's exercising their own strength and talents and abilities and applauding themselves. But God's looking for somebody that's just looking to please him. That's looking to find their place in him and to do what he wants them to do. Now we're going to run a test of the emergency broadcast system. Can I get an usher to help me down front? Sorry, sister, Tiff, not you. I need another usher. Nothing against you, but you're breaking my analogy here. Brother Maurice, I need this table moved to the back. Well, since you two have been drafted, you guys going to help get that table to the back? Okay. Go ahead. You going to wear yourselves out doing it? I mean, I know three of you are strong and strapping, but are there any others that might be able to help you carry it to the back? Or are you going to use up all your strength? Oh, you see, you just want the strong people, the people that are like you. Well, you better go find some females then. <laughs> Call them up. We don't have to rely on our own strength and our own abilities to do what God wants us to do. But we can work together to see the work, the plan, the purpose of God accomplished. And you know what? I guess that's why they don't ask the women to participate because then... They're going to dictate and line them up just right. We're not going to carry the table back there any old kind of way. We're going to do it decently and in order. See, you can't just have brute strength. You got to have the brains to go with it. And guys, I'm not saying that you don't have the brains, but hey, there's a reason why God gave Adam another half. And for all of you guys that are preparing to get married, let the Lord lead you, because you got that. That's a lifetime. There's no exit clause in that. Mm. Hallelujah. But we're all one body. We were all made to work together. And you know what happens if one part of my body isn't working together, working right? You know what I got to do? The rest of my body's trying to figure out what's wrong with that part. And let's do what we need to do to get that part up. My body doesn't look down at that part that's hurting and say, you know what, you need to get it together. 
Go talk to the rest. Look, he, he's got problems down there. I don't know what the deal is. He's just, he's just standing on one leg. I don't know why he can't stand on that. He, he needs to get it together. And as the body of Christ, you know, when, when I see my brother or sister struggling, it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be, hey, hey, uh, Elder Valley, you know, they're, they're struggling bad. I, I knew they were going to fall apart. I knew they were going to. I knew it. Well, if you knew it, why didn't you do something about it in the spirit? If you knew that they were struggling, if you knew that they would fall, why not do something about it in the spirit? But that's not my place. That's, that's the pastor's place. I can't go talk to them. No, you don't need to talk to them. Go pray for them. Go talk to God for them. Maybe they're struggling getting in the presence of God, but what if I can go stand in the gap for them and help lift them up and give them strength? I don't know what's going on in that preaching point, but they, 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 mm, nothing's happening. But we're on fire in our preaching point. Our care group is going great. I, I don't know what's going on across the way there, but we're, we're having revival in our care group. I don't know what's going on down there. And Pastor, you might want to pay them a visit. Instead of binding together, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's find out what God would do. How will God help? So as Pastor Simpson has talked about, we're going to begin some sessions of equipping for the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints. And with that, it's going to become, it's going to come opportunities to learn, to hear instruction, to learn, and demonstrate. What good is coursework without homework? What good is coursework without an application and a place to apply it? You know, if somebody went to school and learned how to fix a car, but they never learned how to fix a car and they put them in the shop, you're not working on my car. Doctors, they call it practice. You know, I've wondered. What happens in surgery? What happens in surgery when you're knocked out and that doctor's cutting on you? I wonder how many times the word oops is used. What's plan B? I I don't think I should have cut that one. They call it practice. But they go through that. They go through training and hands-on application and all that. Why shouldn't we do the same? And so that, 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 that will happen. But, you know, all that we're going to do is not going to be based on performance. It's not based on your qualifications. It's not based on your inabilities. It's not based on your, your insecurities. And it's not even based on how long you've been in the church. Everybody is called and qualified to participate in the work of the kingdom of God. Well, you know, I've only been here for so long, or I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. Well, guess what? Now's the time to learn. And for those that, well, I've got a diploma in praying to people through to the Holy Ghost. I'm good. I can teach the class. Okay. You'll get your chance. Just make sure you know how to do it. But this is going to be something for everybody. And, and when we get together and when we're learning and working together, the application of it is not going to be based on performance. 
Because what happens is, is when it's based on performance, you go, come here, Brother Mike. Say, I'm going to teach you how to pray somebody through the Holy Ghost. And Brother Mike needs the Holy Ghost. And I come up here and I'm going to teach Brother Zaire to pray him through to the Holy Ghost. And so give him, give him some instruction. I tell him, put his hand on his head, raise your hands, and begin to pray. And he's going to receive the Holy Ghost. And they begin to pray. And nothing happens. And Zaire is looking. He's saying, so what did I do wrong? Where did I mess up? What am I not doing right? It's not about performance. It's about learning to connect and flow in the Spirit and in the Holy Ghost. Because if it comes, if, if it becomes about what am I not doing right, I'm always looking at what I can and cannot do. Have you ever seen somebody get the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You ever prayed with somebody and they received the Holy Ghost? Not necessarily one-on-one, but been a part of that experience. Did you give them the Holy Ghost? Why not? Oh, you can't? Oh, you can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. None of us can do that. But the Holy Ghost can work through us and touch somebody and minister to somebody. But it's not about performance. And then so we, we, we pray for them and nothing happens. But then come here, Brother Roger and Sister Sean. Yes. So they're praying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She comes over and she's going to pray him through to the Holy Ghost and puts head on his head. And just like that, he gets the Holy Ghost and he's saying. He got it. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he's saying, we're still going at it. What am I not doing right? What am I doing wrong? And she must have it all together. So what happens throughout the rest of the course and the rest of the sessions, he just begins to fall back. And next thing you know, he's sitting somewhere in the back on the fifth row and the sixth row and in the closed section. And ushers ask him to move forward. And he says, I'm not moving because I'm not qualified. It's not about performance. It's not about how well, thank you. It's, it's not about how well you can speak. It's not about how well you can think or how well you can do. It's how well can you connect and let the Holy Ghost work through you and flow through you. Not comparing myself with those that I'm working with and those that are working around me. And again, Paul stated, forgetting those things which are behind. So what if I do come up short? What if I do mess up? Repent and move on. What if I do pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost? Celebrate and move on. Don't stay there because if you stay there in the pit of shame and I didn't pray them through and there's something wrong with me, you'll never grow in Jesus. But if I can put that behind me and still move forward, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to be saved. Somebody's going to be touched. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be transformed because it's not me, but it's the spirit of God at work. Maybe there was something working in them that wasn't right. Maybe I didn't, maybe I wasn't listening to God when he was saying, hey, they're, they're dealing with this, and that's why they can't receive. Maybe I missed that. So you know what happens the next time I go and pray? Now I'm listening. God, is there something that I need to pray for? Is there something I need to point out that's going on? And then when he gets the Holy Ghost and she's jumping and dancing and shouting and they're taking laps around the church and rolling in the floor and, and all of that, celebrate, celebrate the victory. 
Rejoice with them that rejoice. But don't stay there. Because if you stay there, we say, well, we, we've arrived. We filled this house. We're good. We're having church today. We had the music right. People got the Holy Ghost. People got baptized. People got saved. We got it all together. We're doing good. We're doing everything. Now let's relax because we've got our trophy on the wall. We got our saved souls here. No, we celebrate and we move on because there's still more to reach. There's still more of a harvest out there. So forget those things that are behind and press forward. Don't stay in the past and don't live in the past. Those four lepers, they said, if we stay here, we die. And I tell you, and we talk about sin and things like that and not moving. But I tell you this, if we stay in one place too long, even when things are going good, and if we just stay in that place, we'll die. If we get satisfied, we're going to die there. If we get complacent with what's going on, we're going to die there. That, that's just like having good church. We got the music right, the preacher's preaching it right, and I leave out feeling good. Guess what? If I stay there, God's not doing all that he wants to do and all that he can do. Now, there, there will be moments that we'll find through all of this that we've got some things down pat. We understand some processes. We know how to pray for people. We know how to reach out. We know how to evangelize. We know how to speak. And there's going to be some times you, you might come walking through the altar here, go lay hands on somebody. It just seems like every time you speak, life is just flowing. People are receiving the Holy Ghost. People are getting healed. People are getting touched. You're going to just begin to touch people. It's like they just turned to gold. You just, you, just, uh, you just got that, that hand. It's like fire that's just coming out of your fingertips. Everything that you touch, you touch him, and he just he, he takes a lap, touch the next person there, falling out in the spirit. It's just you got to touch. I play, in high school, played basketball with somebody, and one game, boy, they, they lit that court up. I think they – I forget how many points they had, but every time they shot the ball, it was good, too, and they were just shooting it, and they were, every time it was going in. The next day they came to school, they had a glove on their hand. I got to protect this. <laughs> I got to protect this. They, had, they, they wore that glove around. But here's the problem. That team that we played the next day, they were a little more competitive. My good friend wasn't hitting anything. He was sitting on the bench, glove and all. You might have had the hot hand last night, but tonight you have nothing. You might show up to church. You, you got it. You got the dance down. You got the move down. You got everything working right. You're hitting the right notes and singing, playing the right beat, running just right, jumping just right. The next night you show up to church, you can't find the note to sing. You go to pray for somebody. And it just feels like everything just dried up and you're saying, what happened? And sometimes we're going to miss it like that. But I can't stay there. I can't live there. And I can't allow myself to get caught up in my performance. That's the word tonight, performance. I can't get caught up in my performance. But what is God doing and what is God wanting to do in my life? And what is God wanting to do through my life? Now, if you believe that you're called to ministry, 
Why don't you stand? And some have learned to pay close attention to what I say and how I say it. <laughs> a little while back, I preached a message titled, I'm Pregnant. And some thought that something was going on. And I said that I, I termed my introduction a certain way to not give anything away. But it was spoken in, if you want to call it parables or riddles or whatever. And yes, there was a work being done in the womb. But what I was talking about had nothing to do with that. And notice what I said. If you feel, believe that you're called to ministry, I ask you to stand. I didn't say that you're called to preach. Called to ministry. Scripture says, freely ye have received, freely give. So guess what? If you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're called to ministry. Because since you've got something in the inside of you, you've got something that can flow out of you, and that's called ministry. Like I told you today, whether you realize it or not, and I don't even know if you understand the magnitude, but what you spoke in there in just those few words, that was ministry that people needed. And you know what? Coming from a preacher, coming from a man or woman standing behind a pulpit, for some people, that won't sink in and do anything. But somebody that just fellowships with them that they know, now people are going to look at you trying to figure out what you've got going on on the inside. What connection do you have that these words of life come from? You see, everybody doesn't want to hear what I have to say. I promise you that right now. Some of you in here may not want to hear what I have to say, and that's fine. But some people want to hear what you have to say. Some people know where you came from. Some people know where you've been. Some people know where you've struggled, where you've fallen short, where you've messed up. But when they look at you now, they're seeing something different and trying to figure out what is going on with this person. What's happening in them? Something simply is just that they've been called. They've responded to a call, and they're willing to answer a call. Can I challenge you to give yourself to the ministry of Jesus Christ and his kingdom? Can I challenge you to get equipped? And not only get equipped, but to utilize the resources that God is putting, the, the measure that God is putting on the inside of you. God has given all of us a measure. And, and honestly, some of us here have, have so much more talent than we really even know. We just got to be willing to open up our mouths. We just got to be willing to step out and to allow God to work and minister through us, to flow through us. Some of our insecurity just simply comes from not ever having the experience of doing some things. But you know what? Once you get the taste and experience of participating in something, if you've never been on evangelism, and there's a difference between evangelism and, 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 and outreach. And if you've never done it, yeah, it can be a little scary. But after you get a little taste of it and begin to see the response that comes back, you just kind of get this little hunger, this itch. I want more. I want to participate more. 
I want to be more. And, and, and the more that I'm equipped, the more that I'm able to do all that God's called me to do, the more I want to step out and participate. The Bible says that faith without works is dead being alone. Well, guess what? You all are showing here faith in what you believe from God. But I don't want to just confess it with my mouth. I want to do something about it. Would you close your eyes? And can we allow the Lord to minister to us here just for a moment? There are some here that that have talents and abilities. Some of you, you feel like you don't have too much of anything to give to the Lord. But can I tell you, you've got everything to give to him. You've got all your heart. You've got all your mind. You've got all your spirit. You've got some natural abilities that the Lord wants. You've got some natural talents that the Lord wants. You've got a mouth that he wants to speak through. You've got hands that he wants to work through and touch through. You've got feet that he wants to make mobile and to put you in in, in situations and positions that he can work through. You have all that you need. You've got the spirit of God living on the inside. Are you willing to allow God to work through you? Not you having to do it. You don't have to come up with all the words. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'll go and begin walking. You don't have to have it all figured out. All you have to do is have that willingness to say, Lord, I'm walking. And begin to take one step after another. And if you're willing here tonight to put yourself in a position to be used, you've confessed the call, but you're willing to say, Lord, here I am. I'm giving myself to the ministry, not looking at what my brothers and sisters are doing, not comparing myself, but working as a part of your body. If you're willing to do that, would you make that your prayer tonight? Lord, I give myself to work in your body. I'm not going to look at what everybody else is doing or not doing. I'm not going to get caught up in my abilities. I'm not going to get caught up in my inabilities. But God, I'm giving you myself so you can work and flow and minister freely in and through me. Some of you have neighbors and friends that are waiting on a word. Some of you have people that that you know you have acquaintances that the Lord is wanting to minister through. And you know what? They may not hear my voice. They may not hear the voice of Pastor Simpson. But if they can hear the words of God through your mouth, a world can be changed. A life can be changed. Salvation will come. God, I give myself to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 I give all myself to you, God. I surrender all to you, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
If there are any of you in here that struggle with your perception of yourself and your ability to do a work for God, I'm going to ask you to be transparent and make your way down to the front. If you struggle with your abilities, you struggle with your insecurities, you struggle with the thoughts of failing, the thoughts of messing up, what if I don't get my words right? What if they find that I don't know the word of God like I should? I'm going to ask you to come down to the front. In the name of Jesus. You see, this is what it's all about right here. All of you that are here down on the front, God is looking for a vessel that he can work through. Not saying anything about anybody that didn't come. But if you would lift your hands, let God instill his boldness in you. Let God give you a confidence in him where you don't trust in your own heart. You don't trust in your own, own, own abilities. You don't trust in your own thoughts. You don't trust in what you've got figured out. You simply trust in God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You see, the thing is, you know your flaws. You know your failures. But God has already covered all of that. God isn't putting you in a position so others can see where you've stumbled and messed up. God is going to put you in a position where when others look at you, they don't see the failure. They see the fruit of, the, of, the, of God's forgiveness. They see the fruit of God's love. They see the fruit of God's trust. They begin to hear the words of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, some of you need to confess to God, Lord, I trust you and not myself. God knows you can't do it on your own. God already knew that. God knew that from the moment he called you. But that's why he called you, because he knew that he could work through you and speak through you. God knew that you would have imperfections. But he knows that when he works through you, that he'll get the glory and you won't take it for yourself. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I give myself to you for your work. I give myself to you for your calling, for your purpose, God. In the name of Jesus Christ. This world is looking for somebody that's genuine, not somebody that has a facade that they've got it all together, but for somebody that's genuine who knows that when they fall down, they have to call on the master for forgiveness, who every day they've got to be washed in the blood of the lamb. Come on, can you be real with this world? Can you let this world see a real Christian? Can you let this world see a real vessel that's been saved? Not someone that looks like they've been saved, but deep down on the inside, they've been washed, they've been cleaned, they've been created into a new vessel and a new creature. Satarona Satie. 
Mokoro Naranokoria Satieki Arana Hiki Aronarokoria Satie. It doesn't matter what anybody else knows about you or doesn't know. As long as they know that you know Jesus Christ, that's what matters. As long as they know that you can connect with Jesus Christ, that's what matters. Well, what if I don't pray right? That's all right as long as you know how to connect with God. What if I don't have all the words together? That's all right. What if I don't know the whole book of the, what if I can't put it all together? That's all right. Can God work through you? Can God minister through you? Well, what if I don't do it like the pastor? What if I don't do it like first lady? What if I don't do it like my care group leader? That's all right. Do like David did. Do like, do like David did. What has God put on the inside of you? What measure of faith has God given you? What measure of strength has God given you? What measure of ability has God given you? You don't have to do it by yourself. But you've got one that will walk with you. You've got one that will keep you. You've got a whole body of believers that are connected with you, that are joined in faith with you, that are joined together believing in Jesus Christ and the work that he's doing. Come on, we're all one body. We're all members together. We're all members together. If you're hurting, we're all hurting if you go down, we're all going down. But we're all going to get up again. We're all going to get up together. We're all going to walk together. We're all going to reach out into the harvest together. We're all going to reach the lost together. We're all going to minister together. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, he saw a vessel that was marred in the hands of the potter. But the potter did not discard that vessel. He just continued to work on that vessel. Continued to mold and to shape that vessel. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through me? And what will I surrender to him to allow him to work through, minister through? In the name of Jesus.
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shatiarondorokiasa. Something I tell people whenever I baptize them is that when you, after you get baptized and you get out of this water, you are going to sin. You are going to fail. You are going to mess up. But you can go and get forgiven. You can still find the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you got baptized, that, that doesn't make you a perfect vessel. You just found a place to be able to get forgiven. And although you might feel that you're disqualified, the very fact that you feel disqualified qualifies you for the kingdom of God. You're imperfect, but you're qualified. Your, imp your imperfections qualify you to be used of God. Why do you think God chose Moses? Moses said, I'm slow of speech. Well, good. Let me use you. Let me find somebody that I can mold, that I can shape that doesn't have it all together. And there's not a one of us that have it all together. But when we get in his hands, he's got it all together. He's got all the world together. If you pay attention to the scripture, he said, in the world ye shall have tribulation. But pay attention to what he said after that. He said, be of good cheer. He didn't say I've overcome the tribulation. I've overcome the world, everything that's going on, whether it's the tribulation, the good days, the bad, I've overcome all of it. And our lives are in the hands of the one that's overcome it all. Can we just lift our hands and just worship the Lord here? Father, I thank you for your calling. I thank you for your purpose. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to perform and I don't have to outdo anybody in this world and what you've called me to do, God, it's not based on how well I can do it. Lord, but and I thank you for your spirit that's on the inside of me, the grace, the comforter that I need in all things. Lord, I thank you. And I lose your blessings upon all this people here, Lord. I lose your grace to walk with you. I lose the confidence in you. I lose the boldness in you to speak and to walk and to act in the way that you've called us to walk, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.